Happy Easter. We are glad that you're here today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and a special welcome to you uh, here that are in person, also online. We are glad that you are with us as we celebrate. We celebrate God's victory over death. We are here today to worship our Lord and Savior and to celebrate that the tomb is empty. We are here today to celebrate that sin and death have been defeated. Eternal life is ours, and because Jesus lives, we also live. Can you imagine what it was like for those followers of Jesus on that first Easter when they went to the empty tomb? Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others had prepared spices to bring to embalm the body, as was the custom, their Jewish custom in their culture. And they went to the tomb expecting to see the ugliness of death. But instead, when when they got there, the the stone was rolled away, the the tomb was empty, and, and two men appeared in clothes that dazzled like lightning, the Bible says. And they said to the women, What are you doing? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Could you imagine what they were experiencing? The shock of this whole event. And and so they ran back and, and they told the other disciples. Notice that it's women who are the first proclaimers of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They tell these disciples, and the disciples, this news is is so good. It is so amazing and so implausible, it seems, that they don't believe it. They don't believe it. I mean, they had been prepared for this. Jesus had told them that this was going to happen. He said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to defeat death. Right, I'm going to rise again. They, had, they knew the narrative and how this story went, yet they, they just couldn't foresee this because, I guess, dead people don't come to life that often. But as they received this news, Peter ran back to the tomb, and they grappled with what it meant. What began to happen is that within their very souls, something stirred. In their their being, something was planted that that would now be unshakable and unquenchable. And what was born in them when Jesus was raised to new life was hope. It was a hope like they've never experienced before. We're here today to celebrate the hope of the resurrection. In resurrection hope, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is different than any other hope the world can offer. I mean, what the world offers is is pretty much wishful thinking, right? I hope my team wins that game. I hope I get that promotion. I, I hope it goes this way and that person asks me out, right? I hope that this happens or that happens, whatever it may be. 
Resurrection hope, however, is different because it's based in the historical reality of a real person who walked this planet, who was fully man and fully God and lived and died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And resurrection hope changes everything. Now maybe you've heard this story of Easter and you've believed it all your life. And you're here today and you're celebrating your your 90th Easter or 100th Easter, I don't know how old you are, as a believer. Or maybe you're here today because you've been dragged along. Grandma said she wouldn't feed you unless you came. It's fair, right? And you're not so sure about this. Like the disciples who had been prepped for it. Come on. A dead man raised from the dead? How can that be? Wherever you're at, I pray that, that, that like those women who gathered at the tomb and saw it empty on that day, that God would begin in the very depths of your soul to stir up something that is unquenchable and unshakable, to stir up resurrection hope. Now the reason why this hope, this, this faith is so hard is because there are forces at work in our world that want to rob us of hope. If I were to summarize what those forces are, I would say they are this. The pains and wounds of our past, the battles of today, and the fears of tomorrow. The pains of our past, the battles of today, and the fears of tomorrow have, have a way of, of robbing us of hope. But the good news for us today is that the resurrection hope that we have in Jesus Christ covers our past, our present, and our future so that we can have an unshakable faith. Let's think about that. Resurrection hope is healing for the wounds of our past. Resurrection hope is healings for the wounds of our past. And you thought you'd come to Easter and think only about eternal life and what's after, but no. Because the tomb is empty, there's healing for your past. We all carry those wounds. If we've lived long enough, right? Or maybe if we've lived shortly enough, we all have dysfunctional families. And we all have experiences that we've experienced, grief that we bore or, or traumas that, that we've endured, addictions that we've fought personally or have had ripple effects on those that we loved, broken relationships that have destroyed homes. And we all have our wounds but what we know in Jesus Christ is that his hope is for that. His grace covers that. His love is our path to healing for the wounds of the past. You know, Jesus did not come for those who pretend to have it all together, but he came for those that are broken. 
The temptation to be here on Easter and looking at all good looking all of you guys are and how much you dressed up. I only wear a suit for special occasions because they're hot. <laughs> the temptation would be to say, oh, you know, Jesus is for shiny, happy people. To quote R.E.M., right? But Jesus didn't come for people who pretend to have it all together. In fact, here's what Jesus said in Mark's gospel. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not called to call the righteous, but sinners. And so the church is not a bunch of people who pretend to have it all together. It's a bunch of people who are broken together in search of God's healing grace. And the good news that we have is that his resurrection hope heals the wounds of our past. That means that generational abuse and pain can be interrupted and end because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that addictions can be surrendered and healed, lives restored because of the good news of Jesus Christ. That means that, that attitudes can be changed. That means that, that hearts that are hardened and cold towards the world and abusive and mean and cruel can be softened and become hearts full of love. You see, this is possible in Jesus Christ. But sometimes I think the, the reason that it doesn't happen so much is because those wounds of the past, they've got such a grip on us and we've tried on our own power to get rid of them over and over again. We hold on to them tightly that, that literally we've just been comfortable, become comfortable in our pain. And we couldn't imagine a life of freedom. But it's possible. Because Jesus lives. And so what I would encourage you today is to hear this promise that the resurrection hope covers the wounds of your past and that means to release your grip on the sin and pain of your past and to grab a hold of Jesus in its place and he will begin a new work in you. The resurrection hope covers the wounds of the past. Resurrection hope is our purpose for today. This part I really, really want you to get this Easter. Resurrection hope is not just a, a someday, one day, we're gonna go to heaven when we die sort of reality. It's a right here, right now, real relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ. That what is God is offering you in the empty tomb is a real life-giving relationship that simply changes the way that we live our lives. So often I think we get this wrong. Right, we, we think, I, I believe, right? And so it's just an intellectual ascent or, or you know, I'll just ascribe to a certain set of assumptions and that means that, that I'm good and we miss the whole point that, that Jesus died for us and rose from the grave not so that we can ascribe to a, a, a list of dogmatic beliefs but so that our very lives might be transformed and changed. Our hearts change by his grace through the power 
of the Holy Spirit. That we become believers and followers of him. Let me grab a metaphor uh, to explain this, and this is kind of a nerdy metaphor, so I apologize for that. If you're a fan of Star Wars, you'll get this metaphor. If you're one of those too cool for school sort of people who have never watched Star Wars, right? Uh, the rest of the sermon's for you. Okay. <laughs> if you follow Star Wars, you know there's a spinoff from Star Wars, and there's a character in Star Wars called the Mandalorian, right? And the Mandalorians, they come from a planet called Mandalore that is kind of this warrior planet, and, and the Mandalorians have this, this warrior culture that's also kind of a religious culture where if they, they, they create these helmets, and once they put on the helmet, they never can take the helmet off in the presence of another person in their life. Otherwise, they break their vows, right? There's a Mandalorian helmet. And Mandalorians, they call this, this belief the way, the way. And when they have an event, you know, maybe they, they won a battle or something tragic has happened or, or, or they, you know, whatever event, they'll, they'll, they'll stare at each other through their helmets and say, this is the way. This is the way. Because the Mandalorian in Star Wars understands that their, their faith is lived out in the way that they live their lives. Here's where the metaphor. Did you know that the first followers of Jesus Christ, before they were called Christians, we're called followers of the way. And Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not the way of the Mandalorian, but the way of Jesus. My point is, resurrection hope means that Jesus is the way, the way of salvation, but also the way we live our lives every day. Not just once a year on Easter, but every single day, Jesus wants to be a part of your life. Jesus is with us fighting our battles. And boy, the battles are big right now, aren't they? I mean, let's look at our world. There's some big battles in terms of divisiveness and polarization and, and, and cultural wars and morality battles, all kinds of things going on in this world that people are fighting about and hating each other about. And you wonder, where, where is God in this? And the temptation would be to believe that, that we are unique historically in terms of these battles, but that's not the truth. In fact, there was someone long ago named Paul, he was an apostle, wrote a lot of letters in what we call the New Testament. And he, in a church called, in a town called Galatia, wrote about these battles, and he said to this Galatian church that your battle is not the obvious, it's not, it's not the, the symptoms that you see, that the battle really is this, the battle is between the works of flesh and the work of the Holy Spirit. The battle is between the conformity of this world and the transformation that God wants to bring you in. And so Paul, made two lists. One that is the ways of the world and one is the way of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. This is a hard list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we read this list and say, man, they had a bad back then. Whew. Let's be honest. It's our world. Except the only thing I maybe would tweak about this is the Apostle Paul says the list is obvious. I don't think it's even obvious for many in our culture today what is sin and what's not sin. Right? We, we actually celebrate sinfulness now, right? Yeah, I'm good with Jesus. Woohoo! Jesus loves me. That's great. Let's go party. Right? I'm going to live my way. I'm going to argue. I'm going to sow discord. I'm going to I'm going to fight, I'm going to have fits of rage, immorality in my life. Paul says, look, if you're following Jesus, then then that's not your way. The way of this world is not your way. Your way is, is Jesus. And he says, this is the other list. When we live in grace, when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, here's what it looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so I'd ask you, sister, maybe do a little inventory. What does your life look more like? This world or Jesus? See, resurrection, hope, is the way of life. Resurrection, hope, is, is a way of, of, of forgiveness. When, when our world goes to disunity, we fight for unity. When this world goes to hatred, we go to love. When this world goes to immorality, we go to morality. Because of Jesus. It's a way of radical love that's revealed to us in the cross and empty tomb. We live that out. See, our way is the cross. You see this artwork here today? Uh, Justin Morkin, our uh, arts director here at, at the church, he does this every year. If you're, if you're looking at it from the angle like me, right, it just looks like shattered glass, chaos, all around the cross, and that represents the chaos of the world. But if you're, if you're sitting in the middle and you look at the cross center on, what does that glass become? For those on the edges, what does it become? A heart, right? When our focus is on the cross, Jesus, then all the shattered battles and realities of this world get covered in love. Because God is love, and that's our, our way. See, I think church, especially church in America, we get this wrong so often. And we think that, that following Jesus is about making a political point. We, we think that following Jesus is wielding a big stick. We think that following Jesus is, you know, why can't those people live the way that I want them to live sort of reality, but, but that's not it. Right? Following Jesus is not a, a, a hypocritical way of staring down our nose at people. It's a, it's a call to love, self-sacrificing, generous love. 
that changes hearts and lives. You, you're right, it's not about what we type up on social media. There, I said it to the world. This is what I believe. Boy, am I right. Those other people, oh, forget about them. It's about how we love those that Jesus called us to love, even our enemies. And so church, let us live out that, that resurrection hope and know that the battle is against the flesh. But we have God's Holy Spirit with us to give us victory in life. Because the tomb is empty, because Jesus lives, we can live and live this life right now abundantly. Resurrection hope covers the battles of today. And resurrection hope covers the fears of the future. I've had a lot of conversations, probably in the last few years, that go something like this. You know, I, this world, I don't know what's happening. It just seems like things are confusing, things, like things are, are falling apart, and I'm worried, Pastor Paul. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my, my grandkids. What are, what are they gonna receive? Right, what's this world gonna be like? And that fear, man, it's dreadful, and it, and it robs us of hope, doesn't it? It leaves us in despair. I have an answer for you today, though. Now, I don't know what's gonna happen in next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, in terms of worldly events, but I do know this truth, that wherever this world is in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, one thing will be true. Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne and the whole world is in his mighty hands. I mean, yes, in this world we're gonna have struggles. Yes, we're gonna have fear and uncertainty. Actually, Jesus told us this, John 16. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have, you maybe will. He says you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Your future rests securely in the hands of a mighty God. Because the tomb is empty, victory has been determined for you. You rest in salvation. Salvation is here for you today. The tomb is empty. Jesus is victorious over the grave. Your future rests in the hands of a mighty God. The question is, what does this mean for our lives? John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. <laughs> what does this mean? Because Jesus lives, this means that we will live. So rise up, people of hope. Rise up and don't let the, the shackles of the sin of your past, the hurts and wounds that we accumulate along the way, 
keep you from embracing the healer of our souls, the great physician that is a balm for every pain and wound in our life. Rise up, people of hope. Know that the battles that we face today belong to the Lord and he is victorious, that he has called us to live out his love, to surrender our lives, to follow his way, the way of the cross, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, and to shine so brightly that others might see his good in us. Rise up people of hope and be the church that Jesus has called us to be. Rise up, people of hope, and know that your future is 100% secure in the hands of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. God has defeated the power of death. Your greatest enemy has been destroyed. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. Because he lives, you will also live. Your future is in the hands of a mighty God. Someone say amen because I'm going to keep going until you do. This is the Easter promise. Jesus is alive. He lives. He lives. He lives. So rise up, people of hope, today and every single day and claim that Easter promise in his name. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy in your son, Jesus Christ. Guide us and lead us today, Lord, in that Easter promise may we be filled with the hope of the resurrection. Amen.